Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dance Science Podcast. I'm your host, the Dance Scientist, and the Dance Science Podcast aims to build connections and drive discussion on how we can improve our field and make dance science more normalized. Thank you for being here, and please enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Welcome to the Dance Science Podcast. I'm your host, the Dance Scientist. And in today's episode, the Dance Science Podcast is going to have its seventh guest speaker. Her name is Carolina, and she is currently on the path towards becoming a registered dietitian. So thank you so much, Carolina, for being here with us today. Thank you. This is really fun. And I hope that people can learn and connect. Yes, this is a great way to build connections with people that you don't even ever have to meet. I think it's just so cool (laughs) that we get this opportunity. So first, the first thing I'm going to ask Carolina is if she can kind of tell us a little bit about her journey and about why she chose to work towards becoming a registered dietitian. So my path has been a little bit different from what people would expect. I, after high school, I went to psychology first. So I have a bachelor's degree in psychology because I was very lost. I didn't really know what to do um, after school. And in the middle of my bachelor's degree, I hit rock bottom in my eating disorder. So I had orthorexia nervosa. I had a very serious case of it. I lost about six kilos in a month, which is like 13 or 14 pounds, which is not healthy at all. And I reached a a BMI of 17 kilograms per square meter. Um, So I reached a point where I realized that only understanding psychology wouldn't exactly help me throughout. And so I took an extra class of of human nutrition to understand what the micronutrients are, the the micro, the macro, what what they do, what their function is. And I really started figuring out what my path could really look like Mm. because I, I saw how much I suffered. I felt how much I suffered. I saw how much other friends of mine suffered with anorexia nervosa, for example, and uh, disordered eating in general. And I, th- I thought that, okay, I want to complement my psychology degree with as much information on nutrition as I can. Mm. And so I asked, I asked myself if I was able to go through another bachelor's degree and the answer was yes. So I went through four more years and one of them was in uh, abroad so the first one was in the netherlands in nijmegen it just it, which is a small town in the netherlands and the second one was in belgium and then when i came back to to portugal which is where i'm from i reached out to an old professor of mine and she challenged me to start the nutrition and dietetics department in the dance school of the national conservatory which was a huge task it was a huge challenge but it has been exactly it is exactly where i want to be because i can take what i learned in nutrition and in psychology with the 14 or 13 years of dance that i have um so i this is i wanted to 
put everything together to be as holistic and multidisciplinary as possible when wow. helping others and when helping athletes. Wow, I really love that. Wow. Oh my gosh. I love this conversation already. <laughs> so you were kind of describing your journey in dance. And do you think like what part of your journey really kicked it into gear for you that you wanted to become a registered dietitian? Like what really made that click for you? Well, two parts and the, both of them have been discussed in this podcast already. Um, so the first one is I was never truly taught how to use my body mm. in a way that functions for itself mm. rather than making it work for how it is supposed to be. Mm. And I think what really like what really kicked was when we were in my old school, when we were um, rehearsing to do The Little Mermaid for the last show, my professor turned to everyone and said that we had to close our mouths and I'm putting air quotes in this because we had to have a certain figure because we were going to be mermaids on the stage and mermaids have like this mythological uh, area areola around them or, or um, aura around them, yeah. not areola, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and like that sentence stuck with me because if I am an athlete, I can't have the freedom to eat what my body is requiring and what is asking of me. Mm. So it was, there was always this clash of like, this is what my body needs mm. and wants and is genetically predisposed of doing. Mm. And then what is being asked of my body, which, which it cannot do. Right. If, and psychologically. Yeah. yeah. And the hard part is that we know that that happens all the time and still <laughs> like it's still happening it's mm -hmm. it's insane that that cultural tradition is still so deeply embedded when it just goes against everything that we know nowadays yeah i it, it it's we are still in an era where we look at athletes as people who have to leave everything behind mm -hmm. and just focus 100% and just suffer as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And if you're an artistic athlete, as you are in dance, you have to suffer even more. Mm -hmm. There's like this stigma around dance and, and sports. And what we have to acknowledge is, yes, athletes have to work 50 times harder than the, than the person, than the quote unquote normal person. Mm -hmm. But they, they're still humans. They still have their own individuality that yes. we cannot ignore. Right. <clears throat> so there can be a fine line, right? Like we can push them to a certain extent without compromising their integrity as like a human being, right? Because mm -hmm. I think people can also play the other flip side. And it's like, well, we're trying to push our dancers to be physically and mentally strong. And it's like, yes, we are. But where is the cutoff, right? Yeah. Where does it become uh, abusive, honestly? I, I remember in one of your episodes, one, one of your solo episodes, you mentioned that dance is becoming harder and harder and harder. Like yes. solos are, are becoming more uh, acrobatic, yep. like, and like physically more demanding. Mm -hmm. And because they are becoming so focused on the athletic part, 
the part where you look at a person as a person is fading e mm. even more, I feel. The human part is fading more. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting conversation. Thank you. I'm, so, I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying this too. So through your specialization towards becoming a registered dietitian, how do you really see this contributing to the big picture of the field of dance science? So if you start looking at dancers and athletes and the way that they eat, if, if we're going to put this in the field of nutrition and dietetics, if we start truly looking at what a, an athlete eats compared to what an athlete needs, mm. you are on the path to helping that athlete more than they even realize, more than you even realize yourself. Because if you are looking, I work with um, pre-teens and teens, mm -hmm. so they still, they come to me with the notions that they hear from their parents, from their teachers, from older generations that, learned a lot of things of what is healthy and what isn't mm -hmm. but the message truly needs to be what is and what isn't healthy for an athlete mm -hmm. which is completely different yes. from someone who's sed sedentary yep. and my goal in this internship and in my career um, hopefully will be to truly give these athletes a multidisciplinary team mm -hmm. where they have, they have multiple people available to help them mm -hmm. instead of only going to one person mm -hmm. who supposedly has all of the knowledge, mm -hmm. which is impossible. And you have th the feeling that they have a whole team behind them can be extremely motivating. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what is lacking in dance specifically yes. but in so many sports mm -hmm. as the multidisciplinary approach yeah yeah exactly because another thing that we've talked about too on some of these episodes specifically in regards to nutrition is that dancers really are getting basically misinformation when it comes to nutrition in the mm -hmm. dietetics world right am i pronouncing yeah. that properly Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they get a lot of misinformation, right? It's from like the media. It's from like, you know, they see professional dancers doing this supplement that yeah. works for them or whatever. But, you know, they don't necessarily have the thinking capacity that that just because it works for that single person doesn't mean it should work for them. Precisely. So, yeah, it really boils down to how we're training them and how we're teaching our dancers. Yes, precisely. Yeah. Um, there's this, I don't know if you felt this when you were dancing, but there's this culture of the mentor being the foundation and like the sole figure of everything. And so if the mentor or the professor says something, yeah. it is the absolute truth. Oh yeah, it's absolute. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and sometimes the mentor does not have the education yep. to do some things and that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But th that's what I was saying. The power does not have to be in only one person. It right. can be distributed to different people who work in different ways for a common goal. Yeah. And I think maybe teachers feel like it's a sign of weakness for them if they can't mm -hmm. know all of the specific nutrition recommendations. But actually, I think it's a sign of strength if they can be honest with the dancer and say, listen, I don't have this information. I don't have this knowledge. 
why don't you go see X, Y, and Z, right? Mm -hmm. It really is a sign of strength. Yeah, that's true. So what advice would you give a student interested in pursuing this field? Well, if I were to talk to someone who's just getting out of high school and thinking of going to college to study nutrition, first of all, study math, study biochemistry, Mm -hmm. um, study biology, because we have all of that. Um, be open to truly listen to what other people are telling you in the sense that it's not only listening, it's listening, interpreting and interpreting in the system of the person, like in the, in, 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 in the person's life. Uh, something that you learn in psychology is a person is its own system and it is surrounded by systems plural so you have the micro the meso and the macro systems and a person's eating behavior or like sleeping behavior or resting or routines they're all embedded in the different systems around them and that is something that nutrition students really need to learn which is yes we have to follow the guidelines of how many grams of carbs per kilo how many grams of protein per kilo how many what's the percentage of fats and calories and stuff like that but nutrition is that plus everything else that that makes a person if if i were to talk to someone who's just getting out of the course like i am i would say be prepared for your plans to be delayed Mm. not fall through not like not be completely shattered Mm. but like maybe maybe they have to wait Mm. for this to happen for the students to be in this level Mm. for this to be happening at the school so like have a little patience maybe things will not work out in the rhythm that you want Mm. which is something that i'm learning Mm. currently (laughs) okay nice yeah it's lovely advice So from your specialization, this is kind of a little bit of the same thing, but what have you learned that you wish you knew as a young dancer? Is there something that really, really clicked for you? Um, Something that I wish someone had told me was the shape of your belly and the shape of your thighs do not tell you what kind of dancer you are. Do not tell you if you are prettier or uglier. And I really wish someone could have told me if you want to eat that chocolate croissant or that, I don't know, fudge ice cream, like Oreo fudge ice cream, whatever, you can. And these are the best moments to do it. Like in your week schedule, there are moments where you can add those ingredient those foods where it can make sense and it's still not gonna ruin quote unquote what you're trying to do Mm -hmm. that was some those are two things that i wish someone had told me and really took the time had taken the time to teach me that slowly Does that make sense? I I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense because unfortunately, even from a young age, you know, we're taught the opposite. You know, we're taught that there's a certain figure and yeah, Mm. it's, it's insane. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, uh, can I just say one one more thing? Yeah. I 
I'm from Portugal. I, for those who don't know, Portugal is a small country in the west of Europe. It's right next to Spain. And our genetics is very similar to most of the Mediterranean region. So we have larger thighs and larger hips. And I, a, lot of, a lot of the students that come to me, they want a plan, like a nutrition plan or a meal plan that will decrease the size of their thighs mm. specifically. Mm. And my answer is always the, sorry? It's very interesting. Yeah, because like the body doesn't work that way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and genetically, it is maybe their genes are literally making their fat being stored in their thighs yes. because that's what their genetics is telling them. Mm -hmm. We're not, we don't have the same genetic codes as people from East Asia. Mm -hmm. For example, mm -hmm. everybody has a different genetic code. And if we keep trying to fight it, we just get more and more frustrated yeah. because we have bigger thighs than we would want, but then our arms are exactly the same size that we would want. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very interesting. I didn't really realize that that like that that was an issue in that geographical location, the thigh issue. The and thigh just genetics in general, just genetics in general. It's very interesting. Yeah. Cuz they, you know, <laughs> they see it as like it looks bad and I want to remove it from my body. Well, yeah. what they may not realize is it actually could be there could be strength in that muscle area too. Yeah, 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 it could be actually helping them. Oh, that's also a different. That's also a very interesting topic because there are some people who are genetically predisposed to make more muscle mass. Yeah, that's just something that our that their bodies do. Yeah, and they come to me asking for a plan, a food plan that will help them decrease muscle mass mm -hmm. because they don't like it in specific parts of their body. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Because it does, it doesn't give them the lines like the very stretch lines that they want mm -hmm. that they're looking for in dance. But if you decrease muscle mass, mm -hmm. unless you do things like perfectly, mm -hmm. you will get injured. Like the, the the likelihood of you getting injured are uh, they skyrocket. Mm -hmm. And these are the types of challenges that you really have to truly think, okay, so these are the recommendations for athletes, but this is not what an athlete wants. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's just interesting <laughs> because they're probably constantly seeing these things online too. There's probably a lot of misinformation coming from online when they see pictures yeah. and stuff of what they yeah, wish they, they would look like. Yeah, and they're yeah. constantly looking at themselves in the mirror. Yes, that's the other thing is the mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> the mirrors. The mirrors. That's another issue. <laughs> Add that to the list. <laughs> so where can people, we'll talk a little bit more about this in part two, but where can people learn more about you and how can they access your resources? So this is the part where I tell you and everybody that I am completely out of the normality when it comes to social media. So I am terrible with updating social media and creating okay. content for it. So um, before I came back to Portugal, I started 
focusing my Instagram, which is at rose.little.lettuce. Mm-hmm. Um, focusing more on creating uh, content of, for recipes, mm-hmm. like breakfast recipes or dinner recipes mm-hmm. that are quite quick and encourage the consumption of uh, legumes and vegetables and fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to find me there, um, you can always come and talk to me. Mm-hmm. I will explain the name also if you are interested. Um, and then you can also email me at carolina.prof.nutri mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Okay, yes. <laughs> and don't worry because I'll have all of these direct links right on my website page under the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, yes, to make it easy for everyone. So as a little way of wrapping up part one, if you really had to just offer one tidbit of wisdom to our audience today, what would that be? Trust what your body is asking of you Mm. and analyze where those, where that request is coming from. Mm. Because we are, especially in dance we are taught to not trust what our body is telling us yes we ignore the signals constantly yeah yes yeah whether it's pain or hunger or thirst Mm -hmm. we are taught that those are not reliable and what the teacher what the mentor says is the only thing that's reliable yeah so my my advice would be take a moment realize what your body is asking you and try to understand why it's asking you that That is amazing advice. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for part one. Thank you. (laughs) All right, moving right into part two, okay? So in part two, we're going to be talking a little bit more specifically about what she does as an intern and registered dietitian, okay? So can you first tell us a little bit about what you do as an intern? So... Why am I considered an intern? Uh, There's a legal aspect to it, but I act um, under the supervision of a mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically what I do in this school is um, I, first of all, with the parents, I give lectures about um, how to prevent injuries, what's the role of nutrition in in injury prevention, um, what signs to look for in low energy availability mm-hmm. and uh, relative energy deficiency deficiency in sports mm-hmm. and how to distribute meals throughout the day so it, it, what it's called nutrient pre- periodization yep. <laughs> sorry if that's yep. how is that how you pronounce yep. it yep. Mm-hmm. okay um how do how do you do that um in order to benefit uh, an athlete, if they're in class, if they're in rehearsal, or if they're in competition, or if they are in the show. Mm-hmm. So I want. I also wanted to. When I came here, I also wanted to in uh, engage the parents and the guardians because because I'm dealing because I'm um, working with teens and preteens. A lot of the food that they consume is not made by them. Uh-huh. Like um, they don't have the habit of cooking. Most of them. Mm-hmm. So the guardians have to have an awareness of what they're, of what the child needs. Yes. Um, with the students themselves, I have been doing 
anthrop how do I say this in English? Like the the body measurements? Yeah. Anthropometrics. Anthropometrics, I think is the term. Anthropometric yeah. measurements. I'm, thank you. I'm getting lost on my words today too, so it's okay. It happens. <laughs> uh, English is not my first language. It's okay. Um, so I've been doing body measurements to understand uh, body composition uh, as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then I cross-reference those data with what they uh, tell me. First of all, what they need. Second, what is their goal? And third, what is, what is, what is it that they're doing right now? Mm. And so I give individualized, I have individualized sessions with the students uh, that come to me so that we can talk about, okay, so if you have this particular goal, I need you to, first of all, tell me what you are doing right now to reach that goal. And I want to work with you. Like, I, I always ask them, how can I help you? Not, I don't want to be like, oh, so this is what you do. No, no, no. I ask them, what is it that you can do with me to reach your goal? And then through what they tell me, uh, about what they eat throughout the week and the weekend as well, I give them very specific uh, advice on how to distribute their food throughout the day um, in order to help them reach their goal. Mm -hmm. some, some students come to me with a goal that is a, a little bit more abstract, which mm -hmm. is I don't have enough energy for X, Y, and Z. I see. And then you just help me. It's not like I want to lose body fat or muscle mass or, or anything like that. It's more like I am sweating buckets and I am dying at the end of classical technique or something like, like that. And so uh, sometimes my work is not so much of is not so much sitting down with them in a consultation or a session and talking to them. It's more like, okay, so if you are sweating this, I am going to give you this drink after this class because this is going to help you do this or I'm going to give you this thing before class that's going to help you not die at the end of the class. <laughs> I like that. So you're, you know, you're meeting them where they're at and you're giving them tools that will be easy for them to implement too. Yes, because yes. Uh, some of them are too busy like mentally mm. uh, with everything that is demanded of them that like sitting down with me for like 45 minutes learning what is this what is this what is this, it's just not going to be effective no. <laughs> and it's not what they can actually take right home right because their complaint is this very specific thing mm. yeah and i think if you were to take that route of just kind of like sitting them down and like lecturing them too much i think that would probably not want them not make them not want to come back because i think they'd probably be overwhelmed yeah that is a balance that i'm also yeah. learning my mentor has been uh, teaching me um, helping me with that a lot because for me to talk to a 10 year old mm -hmm. or a 13 year old is completely different to talking to an 18 year old or a 17 year old right and the amount of information that they are ready to receive right. is completely different as well. Right. 
So yes, it is important to give them information and to give them a little bit of education, but sometimes the goal and their availability is just not there. Mm. Sometimes it's something else that they need help in a very immediate way. Mm. So first you have to figure out a little bit more about them and then you kind of like make an approach. Yes. 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 Like I have my, I have my plans and I have my structure and the things that I would like to do. Mm-hmm. And then I have to realize, is this possible or not? Right. With, this, with each of them. Yes. It's a very, it's a very interesting process. It's a very individualized <laughs> process. I should say too. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about the services that you offer as an intern? So I know you were talking a little bit about this with like the one-on-one consultations. And then you were talking a little bit more about like parent lectures and stuff like that. Is there mm-hmm. anything else? Um, if I, if it makes sense for the person, I will make them a individualized weekly and weekend based meal plan. Because for some of them it works, for some of them it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if people understand this about dietitians and nutritionists. If you want to make a truly personalized and individualized meal plan, mm-hmm. it will take me three to four hours oh. per person. Mm-hmm. So if it makes sense, I will do that. And it, I will give them as much information as possible so that they can discuss with their parents or guardians Mm -hmm. and take home with them if I'm not here. Mm -hmm. Um, If it is necessary, I also am the provider of isotonic drinks Mm -hmm. or electrolytes or like energy bars or energy gummy bears. Mm -hmm. If it is, if it makes sense for each person. Mm -hmm. So something that kind of, came up into my head as you were talking is have you gotten any pushback with these little things like any pushback from the parents or any pushback from the dancers or maybe from the administration from the from like the the isotonic drinks just in general just like the education that you're giving out um not direct pushback um what I have been hearing and seeing is there is a little bit of a struggle between what I recommend um, and what I advise mm-hmm. and then what they hear right. from teachers or mentors or parents or anything like that. So yeah. there's that a little bit of a clash, mm-hmm. which is an indirect pushback, not a direct pushback, mm-hmm. I, I would say. Mm-hmm. And just dealing with the misinformation. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you kind of go about dealing with that when you kind of experience that clash? If if a if a student comes to me saying, I received your recommendations and I'm following them and I like them, but my professor said X. Mm. My first question is always whose advice do you think will help you the most? It's what I was saying, like, I'm not here to dictate. I'm not here to tell them what to do. I'm here to guide them Mm -hmm. the best way that I can. Mm -hmm. So I always ask them, so you have three options in this scenario. You can either follow your own advice 
you can follow my advice or you can follow your professor's advice mm-hmm. it, regarding to reaching your goal. Mm-hmm. So if you have this goal in mind, whose advice do you think will help you the most? Mm-hmm. And this is like a shift of like, I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm, I'm not being told what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm being told to think about the things that, I've been, that I'm listening, yes. that I'm hearing. Yes. So you're encouraging them to think for themselves. Definitely. Yeah. You're not forcing them into anything, which is important. Definitely. It's important for them yeah. to feel like that. Yeah. The only thing that I need is to ask permission. Um, like if I need to go in a class mm-hmm. and either watch or give a drink or something like that, I just have to ask permission. Mm-hmm. But my work has been mainly with the students because those are they are my primary goal. Mm-hmm. I would, in the future very much like to work with the professors as well with the Mm, teachers as well yes that would be interesting yes yes (laughs) love so you know we kind of already talked about what some of your challenges are unless there are any (laughs) any more that you would like to discuss today um so we're talking about you know the misinformation mm, and the clashes that happen um I think my biggest challenge right now has been opening up a space for the students to truly feel like they can be honest with me mm-hmm. and tell me, look, this is not working. What you just recommended does not work, period. Because we live in a society of if something is wrong, we don't talk about it. If there's something we don't like, we don't talk about it. Right. Especially directly with the person who just gave us, gave us that advice. Mm-hmm. And so my biggest challenge right now is to give them that space and be like, you can tell me that I did something that you don't like. Mm-hmm. We can work together to figure out what does work for you. Right, because that's ultimately your goal is just to figure out something that does work for them. Yeah, like I can tell someone that they have to eat soup for dinner and for lunch every single day and that is the recommendation definitely but if you but if a student comes to me and says i hate cabbage and my mom gives me cabbage soup every night because you told her to i'm not gonna eat the cabbage do you know what i mean (laughs) it's like a psychological thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah where they're like yeah (laughs) (laughs) or like i hate bananas why are you giving me bananas well, because bananas have this, but I hate it. So why are you giving them to me? <laughs> and then, you know, again, that's why you're there is to hone in on something that works for them. Yeah, you know? and give them alternatives. Yes, like there's always going to be other options is what you're also communicating to them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your favorite part of doing this? Well... This is a very personal, as a, on a very personal note, because I am a dancer who didn't follow through with dancing. Mm-hmm. I would say that my favorite part is being in the environment where I can actually con- contribute mm-hmm. with the perk of watching dancers anytime I want. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can just 
if I need to take a break, I'll just open the door behind me and just watch a rehearsal. Yep. And that's so fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For me, it's very calming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. yeah. That's the best. But, yeah, but realizing that I can actually make some sort of difference mm -hmm. is very reassuring. Yes. There's so much room for growth there. And it's amazing to see yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> And would you now just give us maybe one piece of wisdom of what you've, yeah, you know, this would be an interesting question to ask you is like one piece of wisdom that you've learned so far in this process. Um, if, if your relationship with someone doesn't work, it's not solely because of you as a person and as a professional. If the relationship with a client doesn't work, it can be because of a multitude of factors. Mm. And that is something that when we leave college, when we leave university, we feel like we have the knowledge and everything is going to be fine because we have the knowledge of this particular area. But sometimes you go, you go into the real world, quote unquote, real world, and the person just doesn't click with you or you just don't click with the person. Mm -hmm. And it might not be because of you specifically. Yes. And that's something that I still have to learn, but I'm gradually learning yes. as I am here. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm really not into forcing, but I think there's just like a fine line where you can just kind of like, you know, you can just walk away from the situation. Yeah. Sometimes as long as you know that in the short period that you were with the person, you gave it your all and you you worked with the person's best interest at heart, sometimes it just doesn't work out for the long run. And then maybe, you know, down the road, things change with that person. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> so, yeah, that's really interesting advice to hear from you. <laughs> It's helpful. Old <laughs> it's helpful to kind of get, you know, the wisdom and the perspective from you because you're the intern and you're with these kids on a daily basis. So mm. yeah, it's lovely to have this conversation with you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you. <laughs> All right, friends, how much should we enjoy today's amazing, amazing conversation? So first, Carolina talked a little bit about her background in having an eating disorder and about her journey of being a dancer and how this really led her into becoming an intern and wanting to pursue this field. For students interested, she gave the advice on really being focused on those science and those math classes and taking them as seriously as possible. We talked about how there is still so much misinformation out there about fueling dancers as artistic athletes. And sometimes I like to throw in the little side joke that we should not be fueling them as toddlers, right? They're not three-year-old toddlers. They're actually artistic athletes and they should be treated as such. Educators should not be giving out specific nutrition advice, okay? And I touched on a little bit today that if an educator says, you know what, the question that this dancer is asking me is way too specific and I want to keep my boundaries strong and not give them misinformation. So why don't, why doesn't this dancer go see this person, right? Why doesn't this dancer go see this registered dietitian, right? 
I actually think that that's a sign of strength. And I think that's a sign of honesty for that educator. As an intern, Carolina works with dancers at the conservatory. And one of the things that she really touched on today is in her job as an intern, she's not there to tell the dancers what to do. And I think that that's a really, really interesting thing that we really focused on today is making the dancers feel like they still have the choice over what feels best to their bodies. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today on this amazing guest episode of the Dance Science Podcast. I'm your host, The Dance Scientist, and if you really enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to leave a review. You can also rate the episode, and you can also send me a direct message right on Instagram. Thank you for being here, and I look forward to seeing you in my next episode.